Hello and welcome to the Gen Z Podcast. Here at the Gen Z Podcast, we are all about innovation and those who are innovating. Long story short, I ended up having a ton of success through all shades of experience. I'm your host, Marissa Schwartz. Marissa Schwartz. Marissa Schwartz. Marissa Schwartz. Marissa Schwartz. The voice of Generation Z. The voice of Generation Z. On this show, I interview everyone from artists to entrepreneurs, influencers, people who inspire us. Students are so aware of what has been going on. And of course, authors. You know, I think that goes with the writing and the subtleties of, of, of how the jokes you know, work really well. Because this podcast goes hand in hand with my publishing company, Gen Z Publishing. The future of publishing. So prepare for some awesome interviews. And sometimes I surprise myself. I try to inspire people to hear us talk about current events and real issues that affect you today and in the future. Consumerism message, which is great for the millennial generation. And get in on the conversation. Go to genzpublishing.org and contact us. Follow us on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram at Marissa underscore Schwartz. And of course, tweet out to us on Twitter at Gen Z Pub. Because this is a conversation that just can't happen without you. Gen Z is all about the future and innovation. But you don't have to be a member of Gen Z to enjoy it. When we say Gen Z, we mean the future the future of our world and those who are going to change it for the better. So whether you're a millennial, a Gen Xer, a baby boomer, whatever, this podcast is still for you. So long as you have an interest in innovation and making the world a better place. And that's why a lot of our guests are people with years of experience, as well as some people who are pretty young but still making big waves and looking forward to a brighter future. Whoever you are, you can enjoy Gen Z, the Gen Z podcast, and Gen Z publishing. Now, without further ado, here is the latest episode of the Gen Z podcast. So, hey, well, I'm so excited to interview you today. Um, if you want to tell me a little bit about, yeah, I know that you've been writing a book, you've been busy with that, you have financial planning that you do. Um, it's just, you have all kinds of things going for you. You want to tell me more about what you're doing? I guess what what I've been working on is is I, I consider myself kind of a technician, but also creative in the sense that I I like to kind of take things apart and then put them back together and, and see if I can do it in a better way. What it current what it looked like in the first place, and that's kind of the approach that I've taken with financial industry. So you feel that consumers are in more need than ever of building their own financial safety net. Why is that? Because 
all of the things that have propped people up for later in life planning are going away. And nobody disputes that fact. You know, no one says, you know, Social Security is going to stick around or pensions will come back. Like, no, all of that is going away and, and, and it won't come back. And it's on us to, to take responsibility for, for our financial households and, and carry that, that burden with our head up and absolutely so we have to be prepared yeah exactly one thing but also i mean i think prepared is is the end part of that the beginning part of it is accepting that that is the truth of your situation you know a lot of us i think walk around with our with our head in the sand or with our blinders on thinking that everything will work itself out in time, right? It's like, well, not necessarily. If, if you're not active in the pursuit of all of the things that you want to do and everything is pointed in, in that direction, things can go off course very rapidly. And you see it all the time with people. You know, it seems like life is, you know, kind of the, the center point of, of especially our financial household is, is on a very unsteady teeter-totter. Like it only takes a little bit just to throw it off. You see people that you know, get laid off and then they start drinking because they don't have a job and then no one wants to be around them because they're drunk all the time. And then, <laughs> I mean, that, that spirals out of control extremely quickly. It's kind of like, like a snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. There's feedback loops on both ends of the spectrum. If you go down the negative one, you go down very quickly. If you go up the positive one, you go up very quickly. So the more opportunities that you get, the more opportunities you make for yourself, the greater and greater that you'll experience abundance. Understood. That makes sense. Opportunities multiply exponentially, not linearly. That makes sense. So you say consumers are often overwhelmed by the complexity of today's financial marketplace. How do you think that is? Because we live in a more connected, more violent economic world than ever before. So the, the, the stories that we've, that we've learned and, and heard from, you know, our parents, and, and grandparents and stuff. If you do really look at it, the majority of people that are in making wealth today made their money and, and ascended the ladder during the 1980s. The 1980s was the best possible time to make money in the United States. There was very little war. Everybody was, there was, GDP was going up at 4 to 6% year after year. You know, we didn't have the economic rivals of China and India like we do today. It was an unbelievably affluent time. And people believe that they can take the business models that were built in the 80s and 90s and apply them to today, and they're failing miserably. And no one seems to want to look at that and say, okay, that's what's going on. It's like... 
whoa, well, it's China's fault and it's Trump's fault. It's like, no, it's, you're, you're using old tools for a new system. And if you don't fix that, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. So you're saying that people are not adapting to modern day now. Yeah, especially my industry. I talk about it in my book about how, you know, everything has been disruptive. Technology, obviously technology, but um, transportation, hospitality, uh, publishing, retail, financial services really hasn't been disrupted that much. I mean, Bank of America and Chase and everybody else is operating on similar systems that they did in 2000. So can you think of any other industry that operates on similar systems that that they did 20 years ago? Everything seems to be changing. Everything, everybody operates on new systems. We look at, look at the hotel industry with Airbnb coming in. Look at, look at transportation with Uber and, and look at, let me look at food with HelloFresh and, and Uber Eats and like everything is, is feeling the wrath of what can be done with an internet connection. Like, well, financial services industry has, has kept that at bay because they, they can do so through regulation and too big to fail type of mindset. Like, you can't come after us, we're too big. And well, that can, that can only last for so long. And we live in a fast-paced society, too. Absolutely. So that makes a huge difference. One of the most appalling things, and I noticed this when I was writing my book, and I put it in my book, is how in the heck is it that I can send I can send you money on Venmo for free, right? But it costs me four dollars to take cash out of an ATM. No, it's it's, it's really it's something. Broken. It's a broken system. How can how come it, I can send you 20 bucks with a snap of a finger, but it takes five to seven business days for me to get a new debit card. It's ridiculous. And, and I, you know, I argue that uh, what I'm proposing is the start of, you know, I, I call an Uber from the airport and it takes me to my hotel and it's seamless and, and, you know, everything goes off without a hitch. It's like, that's what people want now. So how does how do you create an experience with someone's financial life? That's it's, what I'm. That's what I'm solving. It's a huge impact because I mean, even on all of these other industries that you're mentioning, some of them are not even anything to do with some of some of the industries that you mentioned. It's nothing to do with the financial industry. Um, I mean, it is to a certain point because everybody, you know, has their jobs is making money, but at the same time, it's not about the financial planning side of it. People need to start to realize, or, or they, they don't have to, but I think one of the interesting, the most interesting parts that I learned from kind of researching this all and, and thinking about it and throwing things against the wall and see if it sticks is, People don't compare experiences across. People don't keep their experiences within silos, right? It's not like, okay, I'm going to compare my 
you know, my experience from Chase to Bank of America, or from Carl Schwab to Merrill Lynch, or from high hotels to bin hotels. Like we compare our experiences across silos. So when you experience from Uber, you are comparing to Amazon and you're comparing it to Groupon and you're comparing it to Uber Eats and you're comparing you 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 compare experience regardless of we as consumers are demanding in a sense that I use demanding as in like client demand, not like tantrum demand. Mm-hmm. We are demanding a an experience like we get elsewhere that is that is being propped up with technology and user interface type of being able to to have information, utilize it, you know, either feel good, feel bad about it, make decisions, and then go on to the next thing. That's what people want to do. They want they want a relationship with whatever they're doing. That's understandable, you know, especially, yeah. Especially money. So now tell me a little bit about your book, Atlas Shift. Mastering your financial experience in the post-information age. What tell tell us what readers can expect from that? Atlas shift is what I'm calling this time period that we're living in now, which we are past the information age. I don't necessarily know when it ended, and I don't know when the next age starts either. But I think that this middle part is. Is what I call the Atlas Shift, which is because of the way that technology has disrupted our day to day. It's you have to take responsibility for all of the things that are important to you, and especially your financial household. Makes sense. Yeah, and that's because all of these things that you know propped us up in the past are going away quickly. I, I lay that out for people. I talk about uh, where I come from with that, and I, I drop on you know history and economics and a little bit of philosophy, and and then I I give some prescriptions for it. I, I I tell people what questions to ask a prospective advisor and what types of things um, to include in their their planning and. Uh, how to look at investing differently. It kind of goes from from kind of heady to, to practical to heady to practical. It kind of takes people on a little bit of a roller coaster. And the majority of people that have given me feedback on it have said that, you know, as an author, you want, you want people to say, oh, it's a good book. I haven't, I haven't got that feedback yet, um, which is interesting to me. And I want to take it personally, but... The feedback that I get is that it's a it's a deep book. It's uh, it's a thoughtful book, and it's not a quick read. It's uh, it's more like read a chapter and then think about it for it's a day. Thought provoking. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And you know, I didn't mean for it to be that way. I mean, this is just in a sense, this is this is me kind of putting down what I've learned and and how I've developed as you know a entrepreneur and a, a writer and a thinker and a 
strategist over the past 10 years. And I think that my experience and my age and a few other things, they've kind of created a perfect storm in a sense of, you know, I started in May of 2008, so I started right in the middle of the downturn, mm-hmm. and, which means that I've been working in an industry for more than 10 years now, which means that, to me, it means I have enough experience to know what I'm talking about, but not so much experience that I've been indoctrinated by the old way of doing things. To me, that feels like it should be important to people because I think there are too many finance books out there that are written by people that already have their minds beat up on many things. It's like I'm I'm a relatively clean slate aside from the, the ten years of experience that I have. I think I bring that through in the book about my uniqueness and, and my innovative sort of ideas. And and of course with your bachelor's degree and then of you know in economics and then of course your experience that helps as far as um, knowing the background and, and the expectations to come for, for financial planning. I think that will help others as well. And I think it's interesting just on a side note that you as a college hockey player. Awesome. You know, that hockey is like, is like the football of the North. Mm -hmm. It's like Minnesota, Minnesota high school hockey is like Texas football. High school football is in Texas. <laughs> Everybody grows up with it, and you know it's it's very much a cultural thing. But it also teaches you discipline and camaraderie and how to play the game within the rules, which is important. Makes sense. Yes, uh, you can apply because, that to so many aspects of your life. Absolutely, because too many people are trying to bend the rules nowadays especially in the financial world. Truth. Like, no, you, we're, we're all meant here to operate within the same set of rules. That's what we've all agreed to. And so I think having that background allowed me to, to know where I can push the envelope and, and know where not to. Awesome. I've also been told that you volunteer with your dog, Gopher. Tell me, tell me what you do with your dog. So Gopher is a 15-pound, I think he's like a rat terrier mix, maybe, and he's a mutt of some sort. I got him off of a farm in Minnesota. He's five years old now, and ever since I got him, he was, uh, he's had such a great temperament, and taking him through beginner obedience, and then intermediate obedience, and advanced obedience, and then he got his canine good citizen, uh, therapy dog work, oh, and awesome. he does. He also does agility work. Uh, my wife takes him to agility class every Saturday. He's so cuddly and friendly, and I'm just not selfish enough to keep that all to myself. Oh, well, that's that's good that you have him doing such great work. That that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh. So, yeah, I, I've enjoyed speaking with you today. I think that your book is, is going to be something that people may just, you know, they should find time to really read and and think about and not only think about, but actually maybe even just apply to their lives in whatever areas they see, you know, that they need to for their financial success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I, my hope. 
Absolutely. And I wish you well. I certainly appreciate your time for me to, to sit and talk with you today. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Gen Z podcast. It's because of people like you that we can rest assured that the future will be a bright one. Until next time, I'm your host, Marissa Schwartz, the voice of Generation Z. Go out there and make a difference, innovators. Ooh.